Just how do I work with my ad agency? What makes the relationship a success? It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. In today's bumper episode, uh, we are going behind the scenes of how we ran our advertising campaign on Google and Facebook ads for our recent virtual summit. Our listeners always seem to enjoy our behind the scenes episode, so I hope you like this one. Plus, we are, we are angling it towards helping you work out how to work better or work well for the first time with your own ad agency. So there's lots of advice in here about how to do that, plus a couple of, uh, a couple of cool tips on how to make your campaigns work better too. So loads coming up, hence why it's such a long episode. Um, I hope you enjoy it. Before we get into all that, though, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Klaviyo, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for brands of all kinds and sizes. Whether you're an entrepreneur just starting out or you're part of a marketing team at a multinational brand, Klaviyo will give you everything you need to create memorable marketing moments, building customer relationships that keep shoppers coming back time and time again. Get started with a free account today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash master plan. Helium 10 is an all-in-one software tool for entrepreneurs to help them start, build and grow a business on Amazon. Helium 10 has all the tools you need to run your business in one place. No more downloading multiple apps or paying for different software. And I have an incredible offer for you. Get 50% off your first month of a Helium 10 Platinum account when you go to helium10.com forward slash master plan. That's helium one zero dot com slash masterplan. And now to introduce today's guest expert. Becky Hopkin is the managing director of our favorite advertising agency, Digital Gearbox. With her team of Google and Facebook ad specialists, Becky drives sales to many e-commerce brands and also ran the advertising for our very own recent e-commerce masterplan virtual summit. Hello, Becky. Hi, Chloe. How are you doing? I'm good. It's lovely to be catching up with you and very exciting to be sharing some of what we learnt whilst running the horrible uh, brief I gave you for the summit <laughs> of make my ads work in just three weeks. Um, oh, don't be too hard on yourself. <laughs> well, um, I, so it's, it's, but it is really cool to be able to kind of like talk through how we did it and how we managed it because I know there's a lot of our listeners are running ads themselves or are scared of running ads because they don't want to go out to an agency and they're not quite sure what to do. But So I think by shining a light on this and what goes on behind the scenes will hopefully make people feel a little bit more comfortable with it all. And also it'll give them a look into the secret source, <laughs> uh, which probably oversells it of what goes <laughs> on here at the business. So that's my thoughts. Yeah, I'm definitely up for it. I think I was, I was saying to you just offline before this, we're having a lot of conversations at the moment with with people who don't understand what it what it's like to work with an agency or they've got a lot of distrust there. So I think hopefully by lifting the lid on the process, we can hopefully help a few people out there. 
Yeah, it sounds good to me. Um, okay, so headlines of what we are talking about. We're talking about the marketing for the e-commerce master plan virtual summit, which is a virtual event that I ran in early June this year, so a couple of months ago now. We ran ads for just three weeks before it was happening and the week it happened, which, as I mentioned a few moments ago, was a pretty tough brief, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, normally we, we like to have a little bit more notice, um, but it's fine. I mean, you have to be agile as a as an advertising agency. And um, thankfully, you say it wasn't the best brief. I think we've, we don't always get a brief, Chloe. So that's, <laughs> that's a plus one for you um, in the first instance that you actually had a brief and you knew what you wanted to achieve. Yeah, we'll come on to more of that um, uh, later on. But but one of the reasons why that three weeks is so is so harsh, uh, I guess, other the four weeks including the actual event, is because normally, I'm guessing you'd be saying to someone, it's going to take us one to two months to optimize. Mm-hmm. So more like eight to nine weeks or more to optimize before you start seeing the results you want, anyway, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the ideal world scenario. Um, but like I say, we're, we're used to working in all sorts of conditions and sometimes you've only got three weeks. Indeed. So the targets of this, um, there was kind of like the actual delivery target, which was I wanted to get at least 500 registrations and I had a ad budget for the actual ads of £3,000, which meant we could go up to around about the £6 per sign up. And obviously we were doing other marketing as well to get us to those 500. So it, Partly because it was a tough brief and I knew we had to optimize incredibly fast, we needed enough budget to do it, but we also needed enough wiggle room to kind of play around with the numbers. We needed a fairly fairly relaxed target because of that short time span. Now, the other, so that's kind of like the, the headline targets. Then we had a couple of other targets, one of which was I needed to not be the person running the ads. That was quite critical because the last couple of summits I've done it myself and they tended to go live about a week before, which is never a good thing and were not as good as they could be if they were being run by someone who does it all the time, all day long. So that was was a win from pretty much the, the first moment we, uh, we I sent you guys the brief. It was like, yay, I don't have to do it. <laughs> and then we also wanted, and, and I made this clear to you guys from the start, this was the beginning of a much longer project of running different ads about different things to similar audiences. So it was the beginning of a learning curve of something that may well go on for years to come. So it it was kind of like a hotbed test zone, I suppose. Yeah. Nice description. Yeah. Um, And we did test a lot, but we'll come on to that a little later on. Uh, Headline results then. So what did we actually achieve? We got directly attributable 413 signups which was mega. That was awesome. With an overall, and this is taking into account every single penny we spent. So, so the the campaigns we thought would work and were hideous, and there were some some shockers in there. Certainly in the first week, at six pounds twenty per sign up. So pretty much in line with what we were going for, and we saved four hundred and fifty pounds of the overall um, ad budget because it quite frankly wasn't worth spending it. We couldn't get good performing ads in front of more people. So that worked very nicely. Always nice to have to be given 450 quid back. <laughs> and we really pushed, or we, Becky and her team really pushed the ads hard. They learned a lot. Um, we'll probably talk about that a little bit later on. 
and we found some things which worked amazingly. So our best non-brand campaign was just two pounds of registration and drove 151 signups, which was, you know, a good third of what happened, whilst our worst was well over £20 per sign-up. Hence, some very variable results, but that's what you'd expect in the first three weeks of a campaign. And as I said, the other headline result was the ads actually happened and I didn't have to do them, which was amazing. (laughs) Um, And I should actually, to expand on that very quickly, yes, it was amazing for me, but it also meant I had time to spend on uh, marketing methods that I couldn't outsource or were not yet ready to outsource because they need to be done in-house and so forth. So it actually meant we did better marketing overall. Um, so Becky, that's the headlines. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of knows Chloe's quick guide to what we're actually talking about, but how how did we do it? Where did, where did the, once I said, help me, um, <laughs> where, where did we start? So yeah, we started with that initial brief that you gave us, which, as I said earlier, is is quite a rare thing that we get. Um, we tend to get people come to us either because they've been told they should do some paid advertising um, or they just feel that they should, or they've had a dabble themselves and got confused and want to try and do it a little bit better. But that's kind of the extent of the brief. So having having you, Chloe, come to us with an objective of um, the attendees that you wanted to to attract and a cost per attendee gave us a really good starting point because from there we were able to put a plan together to kind of fit that brief. And yeah, we we established fairly quickly that our channels that we we're going to utilize was Google and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Google for us is normally our first point of call, um, generally being because you can't get better than advertising to people that are actively searching for what you do <laughs> or what you sell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, from my perspective, we always look to Google first um, for that reason, because you'll get better conversion rates generally. And the the cost per conversion won't be too high because of that. But Facebook is fantastic for reaching those people that wouldn't necessarily be actively searching for you. So we wanted to look at Facebook as well. And we put together two streams. We had to look at the initial acquisition opportunities. And then we looked at how we were going to convert people um, after they'd sort of gone to that consideration point and visited the website. Um, So we obviously had to think about remarketing strategies there. And I think the interesting thing for you, Chloe, was where you've got quite a large presence online with your various brands. We had quite a pool of people that we could work with that are already aware of e-commerce marketing Mm -hmm. plan or at least aware of you. So that was quite an exciting opportunity to be able to tap into some warmer audiences, which I think when people are thinking I need more sales, they tend to think more about the initial acquisition opportunities before they think of the kind of retention or at least the warm the warm lead retention conversion opportunities instead, which from my point of view, you want to be converting that low-hanging fruit, the people who are more likely to buy from you first, and then you can start making some money to invest in those colder audiences. Well, exactly. It's um, Becky, as you know, behind the scenes, I was tracking both how many email signups we had and what their overlap was with our existing email database, which is yeah. one of the audiences you were targeting. Yeah. Because I want them engaged with with what we're doing, and actually, we had a very low overlap rate, which is you know was 
was one of the brilliant things about being able to go out to the people who've been to the websites mm-hmm. because those people maybe haven't signed up for emails. And to be fair, everyone listening, they probably haven't because I've been awful, awful at putting email sign-up forms or incentivizing email signups <laughs> on the website. Yes, I, I will hold, hold my hands up to that. They're much better now. If you go and look today, we're getting a lot better. It's one of my top priorities. But we had an awful lot of traffic that we hadn't captured email addresses for and that had come and gone. And it was it was brilliant from my perspective to see those audiences coming in at a really lovely low cost per acquisition because now I have that person's email address and now that person is going to get to attend the summit of excellent content we put on. So they're going to become more connected to the brand, they'll probably listen to the podcasts and so on up kind of up up and across our ecosystem of content. So so yeah, it was I guess it's one of those things which which I often say to people if you know when they're starting up a business is on day one put the tracking mm-hmm. in place. Yeah. Get the Facebook pixel in, get the Google Analytics in place, if not the Google Ads code as well, because you can be capturing this data and learning about it and having it ready for when you turn the ads on. Because if we come to you and you've gone, you'd, you'd said to me, right, we need to set up a Google ad setup, yeah. we wouldn't have had those audiences no. and our cost per acquisition would have been considerably poorer. So so that's um but but Saying that, we had some of the tracking in place, but a lot of my tracking was awful because you guys had to do quite a bit of work to get the tracking for the summit working right, didn't you? Yeah, but that's always our our kind of priority when we get going is getting the tracking set up because you don't want to be turning any of this on until you've got that tracking in place. Otherwise, you're just throwing money, not at the wall, because obviously you'll still get signups, but you just won't know what's working where and you won't be able to invest your money in those most profitable areas. So yeah, we we had an interesting time getting the the tracking working for you, didn't we, Chloe, with uh, the third party platform that you used for the summit. And it's always a way that, I mean, everyone uses different systems. They have different carts that they're using and there's different tracking for everyone. Um, but from from our kind of kickoff point of view, we go on a website and we look at what events we can measure as conversions. So, again, a lot of people think of the end goal. So in this case, the summit sign up for you, but there's kind of other little flag points. That's probably not the right word, but there's little things you can measure, micro signals, we'll call them, of intent that we also like to measure because, again, that's really useful data that we can use to see how the ads are performing and make some good decisions with. So we were looking at not only people setting up tracking for people that completed the registration, but people that started the registration process as well mm-hmm. and I think there was other buttons along the way as well that we we measured um, so we could see what people were doing on the site once they clicked through from the ads so yeah the tracking setup is was a very important part and these days it's even more important than it was back when I was heavily involved in ads because then it was so we could manage things but now there's increasing reliance on letting the algorithm do some work for you. And that relies on telling the algorithm what you want, which, you know, that's not a case of looking at a computer screen and going, I would like some conversions, please. You actually (laughs) have to create the flag, the piece of tech that will ping back a conversion so as they can get to learn from it. So, um, so that was kind of the, the, the double bonus of the tracking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Definitely. Especially for Facebook, you want, um, you want to give Facebook the algorithm food, as we call it, um, in terms of data. And, and as I was saying, the the more kind of soft events you can put in there, 
that's going to just give that algorithm more data points to optimize towards. Whereas if you go for that end goal straight away, it's going to take more time, especially in this case where we had the three weeks, going for that end goal and telling Facebook to optimize towards the registration straight away, it wasn't going to work. So we actually, with Facebook, started with optimizing just for traffic, just to get some initial data in. And then we um, started, we moved it over to optimize towards starting the registration process. And then again, as we got more data, we changed it to optimize towards those um, registrations at the end once there was enough data there. So that that's the big tip I'd say that you kind of want to start, start broad in terms of any algorithm-based um, optimization and then tighten it up as you get more data there. Yeah, because it enabled us to get the get the Facebook algorithm working quickly for us because we were able to feed it, feed it more algorithm food, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, is important with any campaign. But when I've told you we've got to achieve this in three, what was actually three and a half weeks, yeah. it's essential. We can't sit there for the first week going, oh, nothing's happening on Facebook because no one's converted yet. It's, it's you know, we have to fast track it through a lot more than that. So that was a, it was a great way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the tracking, the kind of the preparation phase. You mentioned that that I actually gave you a brief. Yes. Um, <laughs> and what I did for everyone who's out there, I emailed Becky and the team over kind of a doc of my thoughts. It was, wasn't the most ordered of documents, <laughs> um, or certainly not, not to the level of order organization that I'm capable of, which is probably too much for anybody. But the key points, when it's happening, um, what my budget is, what I think we could achieve, um, in terms of the you know the cost per sign up and thoughts around things I've done in the past that have worked and what channels I thought we might want to use what we've got set up not all of which was accurate it turned out mm-hmm. um, but you know giving kind of a bit of a brain dump but to give them that background and then we jumped on a call didn't we Becky so you guys could could get a bit more kind of color about it all from me but also ask me what you actually wanted to know. Yeah, so a part of our kind of onboarding process is this kickoff meeting where we we ask a lot of questions, essentially. So one of the key things to help us build ads that are going to be right for, for your business is understanding what are the key messages you want to get across, what are the key selling points for the summit that we want to convey with the ads. And yeah, that's kind of the main, and what assets you've got available. So one of the the nice things as a follow-up to that call was that you gave us a lovely pack of goodies to work with. Um, and I can say the more you can give an agency, the better. So you gave us all sorts of things, didn't you, Chloe? All the stuff yeah, all you were using. Of, for, all kinds of random photos and graphics <laughs> and testimonials. And, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. The more you can give an agency, the more they've got to work with. Because I think a lot of people kind of, see it from the other end they expect an ad agency to come back to them with with ad concepts but unless you give us kind of the imagery the key messages and whatever you've got so far we we struggled to put things together for you so so yeah that was fantastic you gave us um images of yourself and kind of general e-commerce images logos um images of the speakers which was interesting since one of them was me. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Given your own photo back. Given my own face. Um, but from there, we could then, oh, you also gave us um, your brand guidelines as well, which again, so many people kind of forget to do. But if you want to maintain a certain look and feel for your your communications, it's quite an important thing because then we could easily take your color codes and make sure that the ads were using the right fonts, the right colors. So it actually looked like, 
it, the, the brand representation was maintained basically. So that was fantastic. And then from there, uh, Michael from the team, he whizzed up a few new ads creatives for you to have a look at. And we set up an ad um, kind of testing plan. So we wanted to find out what images worked better. Um, particularly on Facebook, because you kind of always have this theory, like, why would people click on my face? A lot of people, a lot of <laughs> yourself included, Chloe, a lot of people are like, yeah. why would people want to mm. see my face in an ad? But we, we soon found out that people did want to see your face in the ad. And actually, the ads that featured your lovely face were the ones that got the highest click-through rates. So, yeah, it's important to to share all the assets you've got so that we as advertisers can test different things and actually make data-driven um, decisions about what works best. Yeah, and I think one of the things that from that call and the providing the things back to you was you were asking me, me questions about it that hadn't even occurred to me to tell you about or to provide <laughs> you with or stuff I would have tried to, you know, just just was going to hide. And then you're like, no, that will be really powerful. Send it over, send it over. And, you know, I'm, as I hope all of you, know, you listening know, I know quite a lot about this stuff and I thought I could have guessed it all, but actually they were asking me for things like, like I said, I hadn't realized that would be useful. And, and I suppose one of the great things about having, having an agency on board to run this was the content and the activity that we did wasn't constrained by my assumptions. And I was challenged on certain assumptions I was making about it. And we were able to test more things because as an agency, you're a lot more open-minded to what may or may not work than I have been. So it, it's um, that kind of pushed the performance forwards as well, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think um, it's always two heads are better than one. And exactly. if you're working with an agency with more than one head as well, you've then got the benefit of all their additional heads as well that can come together when they're planning and rolling out these campaigns for you. So, Becky, we're we're over 20 minutes into this chat and we mm-hmm. haven't actually yet put an ad live. So <laughs> We better put an ad live. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, we better put an ad live, but I think it just shows how important the prep work is in getting the relationship off on the right foot and setting the ads up for success. So what strategies, what channels, what methods did we put into play? Sure. So we, as I said, we kind of had the two streams via Google and Facebook. So on the Google side of things, we had traditional search ads and we tapped into your branded terms. Again, um, I mentioned you've got a few different brands, your own personal brand, the the Keep Optimizing brand, and um, obviously the e-commerce master plan brand that we could bid on to, to get in front of people that are already aware of you. But we also tried a lot of non-brand activity as well. So here we bid on people actively looking for e-commerce conferences. But then we also kind of tried a different angle of people looking for e-commerce knowledge um, in various different forms, whether it was podcasts, books, websites, etc. So we did that. We also had remarketing campaigns via the display and the discovery network. Um, so discovery ads is quite a new channel um, in the Google suite. If anyone hasn't come across discovery ads before, essentially it allows you to put your ads um, on Google Discover pages. Um, and also that covers YouTube home and watch next feeds. And also the Gmail promotions and social tabs. So Gmail used to be, they keep moving Gmail around um, (laughs) in Google, but it's now in the discovery campaign section. Gmail is like the platform that they haven't yet worked out how to make make enough money out of. So they're just (laughs) moving it around the the Google ads platform and sooner or later... 
they'll they'll make a few billion off it. Yeah, but they're really cool discovery ads. They're the best way if you haven't seen a discovery ad um, to describe them. It's it's a very similar looking to display ads. Um, so you can create a responsive discovery ad in the same way where you upload an image a couple of images, your logo, and then some text assets. But one nice thing with discovery ads is that you can also upload carousel ads. Um, so the, the ad format that does so well on Facebook generally. So with that, we were able to put a different, a few different images in talking about different points about Summit, just as something different. And yeah, we also launched some cold display. So when I say cold display, these were non-remarketing audiences. Again, utilizing the same non-brand um, search terms, search campaign terms that I've already mentioned. So people looking for e-commerce knowledge, e-commerce conferences. And we also targeted them via display, uh, sorry, discovery as well. Um, and then we also added in an RLSA campaign towards, well, I was going to say towards the end, it was a three-week campaign, but halfway through, <laughs> we, we added in RLSA um, campaigns. So these are remarketing lists for search ads. So basically with RLSA campaigns, you target people um, that have been to your website, or in this case, websites um, previously with certain keywords. So we broadly targeted the word e-commerce to these people because they already have an aff uh, affiliation with you. But this is the idea was to get in front of them as they were looking for anything to do with e-commerce, essentially. So that was what we did on Google. Yeah, guys, um, that's just what we did on Google. We did on Google. <laughs> um, a whistle stop tour there. And then on Facebook, we we had the two two approaches again we went with the, the remarketing or retargeting as Facebook like to call it um, again we segmented things out by the different um, audience sources that we had so the different websites your email list and also people that engage with you on social media already and then we had an acquisition campaign and with the acquisition campaign we um, segmented everything by the continent that we were targeting and by the different approaches um, to the audiences that we we're targeting. So here we were targeting people based on the e-commerce platforms that they were showing an interest in. So WooCommerce, Shopify, Wix, and also people just interested in e-commerce as well. So a lot of different audiences. <laughs> um, but our, our approach, I mean, normally in a, a, a normal situation, we would kind of step one is test the audiences find out which audiences respond to your ads first and obviously we had a very short testing window so we kind of bundled everything together in the first instance just to get that algorithm feed again um, but then we started to segment things out as we got more data so we could see exactly which countries were responding the best and make sure that they were getting enough money, more importantly. Because the thing is, if you have an audience that's too big on Facebook, you will get that lovely learning limited um, if you're not chucking a load of money at it. So to unlimit the learning, you've got to then segment things out a bit more so that the uh, the Google, sorry, the Facebook feed has enough money to make some decisions with. And the complexity of all of that is why I had Digital Gearbox <laughs> doing it um, and not doing it myself. Because, you know, I, I, I have to say, I do understand everything Becky's just said, but something I've learned over the years is that I don't need to know how to set any of it up. And I don't need to know the nitty gritty of the best ways to optimize it. Like 
you know, when I see learning limited, you need to spend more budget on Facebook, I assume I need to spend more budget. It hadn't occurred to me that you could just segment the audience, make it smaller. So as there's a, the budget will stretch far enough to get the learning. So, you know, that's one of the many, many little benefits or big benefits of, um, of getting the experts in to manage this kind of stuff. Because, you know, we had an agreement from the beginning which I put in place because I wanted Becky and her team to know I wasn't going to be the client nightmare from hell, <laughs> which which was that I wasn't going to log into the tools other than to, you know, save them reporting time once a week. And that I was going to leave it completely up to them because there's nothing worse having been in, you know, worked agency side than logging in to do some work and to discover the clients change something yeah. that's totally counter to the plan and that screwed up any test you're running. So, so that was something we agreed from day one was I was completely hands off apart from reporting. Yeah. And actually the worked well that you, you took on the reporting. I mean, we'll always we'll do reporting and it's important, especially for a long-term relationship that your agency is reporting back to you and that they're looking at the data. But actually you taking that time away from us having to report back to you every week was time that we could spend on optimizing on the campaigns. So I think again, kind of a lesson for anyone who's not worked with an agency before is if you're constantly asking for feedback, that that's time you're taking away from the agency for them actually working on the account sometimes. So just bear that in mind. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's it is a time game. Yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons I was like, right, guys, we are. I know, I know that this is going to be a really intensive optimization piece. So in some ways, if you created a weekly report, it would have been inaccurate by the time you presented it anyway, because so much had changed. Oh, and the other thing which we did was rather than than you sending me a long email once a week or once a month of the results, we did a weekly video call. For which we'd all prepped, so the prep was done in advance, so we could come on, ask and answer questions quickly, to give you guys the information you needed to carry on through the uh, the campaign. Yeah, and that worked really well. I think, yeah, there's there's kind of reporting for reporting's sake and checking in for, <laughs> for checking in. But this was a three week campaign. We needed to know what the stats looked like from your end to be able to share key things that we were seeing from our end and make sure that we were making decisions that were in line with what you, you wanted, what you wanted to achieve really. Cause we, the other thing where we didn't have time to, to wait for some of the data to come in, if we were seeing early signs, so for example, we found that it was very expensive targeting the American market in this case, didn't we? Mm -hmm. And I, we were able to go to you and say, Chloe, it's expensive in America. Can we just focus instead on Europe? And yeah, you being able to go, yes, that's fine. <laughs> Despite the fact in my brief, it was America's a really yeah. important market. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, that's something that's quite hard to put in an email, but very easy to bring up as we're talking about how are we going to make the budget stretch further? How are we going to get more more people coming in? And, you know, that, that then meant I was like, right, I'm confident. You guys run with it. We're all good. Yeah, because I think, again, if you don't communicate we'll just revert back to that original brief and go, well, we can't change that because the original brief said this. Whereas if you can just challenge challenge things based on the data and have a quick conversation about it, a lot of the time, better decisions can be made. Yeah. And I was also tweaking the budget and kind of going, yeah, I'm still happy to spend the budget based on the numbers we're getting. Or can we tighten up? Because I'd like to see a better CPA. Because, you know, at the beginning of it, it was, I didn't know how much I needed to spend to get 500. I didn't know how much I needed to, to pay per acquisition. It was very much finger in the air stuff. And I think, you know, what we've done now, 
you know, now we're running at a steady four pounds, which is what a third less than we paid for the live event. We're now running at on our cost per acquisition because of all the work we did in those three, four weeks, we've now been able to lower it further. So there was, you know, it was a, are we still okay at this price? Should we lower it? Can we raise it? What's the main objective for the following week? Do we just want bums on seats or do we want, you know, are we willing to take it higher, take it lower and so forth? So we were able to have those conversations, but I've just slipped into what happened afterwards. So is there anything else about whilst we were actually running it, you wanted to share Becky before we get into the afterwards bit? No, I don't think so. Other than it was a very busy three weeks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I could go into all sorts of optimization techniques, but I don't think we've got time in today's podcast. So that's no, for another day. We, unfortunately, we don't in today. And I, I, I would very love to dive into those weeds as well, but we shouldn't today. So so what we did afterwards, so we, we, we ran this kind of three and a half week campaign. When we got to the end of the event, we turned everything off because... I needed to to change the event to make it look like it, you know, to take all the dates off it basically because there's no point in advertising it after the dates went. Um, and then once I got the site ready, we had, um, it gave us all, all the chance to review what had happened. We had a meeting to review what's happened to discuss what happens next. And one of the things I'd said to, to Becky and her team right from the beginning was part of our plan over these three and a half weeks is to prove and find enough nuggets of awesome campaigns that we can try running once the summits become what I would term an evergreen or an open forever. You just give us your email address and you can watch it all straight away. And in July, because it took me longer than a couple of days to rework the page, um, we kicked off the advertising again but refocus with the ads, refocus and everything else on just kind of removing the dates and encouraging people to sign off, which has been an interesting test as well, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, we it was a better point for us because we had three weeks worth of data <laughs> to uh, make some decisions with. Um, but again, like we there's still probably some things that we started testing that will be worth revisiting at some point, but where the focus at the moment was to get signups for a certain cost. We we were able to look at the campaign performance, see where we were getting those results for a lovely low cost. So things like the discovery ads worked really well for you. So we, we put a lot more money into that and we were able to knock the things on the head that weren't bringing in those uh, attendees for a reasonable cost. So some things were costing over £20 per sign-up. So we just culled that from the, the new activity um, so we could focus in on the things that did work. Yeah, and the next time we run a summit, we'll go back to some of those outliers and go, right, how can we make them work for us this time? What should we test this time? But, but yeah, you kind of do have to have those pauses every now and again to go, right, let's do a deep review. Let's really, really look through it. And since since we've been running the Evergreen campaign, we've added another 400 signups to the event, which given one of my challenges for the Evergreen was campaign was, can we advertise this successfully? Will people still sign up even if there's not a date on it and it's immediately available? Well, yes, they can. And it's costing us less per sign up than the live one did. So um, that's just testament to the learnings and the improvements the Digital Gearbox team have made in the, in the um, activity. Well, Becky, we we are talking good today. This is going to be a nice long episode for everyone to get stuck into. But before we are going to go to the top tips around very, very shortly. But before we do, are there any kind of key tips or lessons you'd like to kind of reiterate or state for the audience in terms of working with an agency for the first time or repairing an agency relationship? What are the kind of the key things to make it really work? 
So I think from the onset, even if you don't have a brief, it's really important that you've got clear objectives and goals. And even if kind of the goals are an element of finger in the air, having some numbers for an agency to work with will really benefit um, what they're able to do for you. Um, because we we work with a lot of people that come in and they go, I just want to test it and they don't give us a cost per lead or a cost per sale to work with. And whilst that well that's whilst that's fine, it's much harder to make those tough decisions to cull campaigns, to cull ads, to cull keywords that aren't performing as well if we don't have an idea of a number to to make those decisions with. So even if it's just a starting finger in the air number, something that makes sense to you based on your kind of calculations, your margins, um, setting an initial target is really helpful. Having kind of a clear expectation of what both parties, uh, what's required from both parties. So again, some people um, think that they just tell an agency to get going and then they don't give them any information. They don't give them any assets. Um that's that's not the way it works. It being clear about what you um, can provide up front to help the agency make this as successful as possible for you is really important. So just ask the agency what, what you need to provide and make sure that you're able to provide them with that. In really important. And then setting kind of a regular stream of communication and deciding how you can best communicate with each other on a fairly regular basis, I think, is the other thing. Because... If you go quiet on us, we don't know. We don't know what's happening your end. Whilst, especially in e-commerce, we can see the sales. If we don't know if it's profitable sales, if we don't know if it's the right kind of product that we're we're selling for you, it makes it harder for us to to make decisions based on your kind of end goals. So, set up regular meetings. I'd say once a month is really useful, kind of for a quick run through of all the numbers if it's a short campaign obviously <laughs> make it weekly um and then kind of have deep dives every every three months or so e-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector here's a reminder of who they are Success in 2021 means building stronger relationships with your customers. Last year saw a lot of consumers switching to buy online, leading to surges in new customer acquisition. So how are you planning on turning your new first-time buyers into profitable repeat customers? Well, that's what Clavio is for. Clavio helps businesses create memorable marketing moments through email, SMS and personalised website experiences. And that is what creates repeat purchases. That's why Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform, Platform is used by over 50,000 e-commerce brands around the world. Get started with your free account today. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Helium 10 is an all-in-one software tool for entrepreneurs to help them start, build and grow a business on Amazon. Whether you're just starting or are several years into e-commerce, it is a must-have tool for your business and I have an incredible offer for you. Get 50% off your first month of a Helium 10 Platinum account when you go to helium10.com forward slash masterplan. That's H-E-L-I-U-M-1-0 dot com slash masterplan. It's time for the top tips round. 
I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So whilst all of your heads are spinning with all the agency relationship and tips stuff we've just been through, there's even more coming. Becky, are you ready for the top tips? I'm ready. Okay. The book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? I've got two. Um, sorry. I've got The E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber, classic business book, all about building a company based on systems and not an individual that I'd highly recommend. And then, of course, e-commerce marketing, Chloe. So your your own book yourself, it's got everything you need to know about the various online advertising channels. So great place to start. Awesome. Thank you. If anyone wants to hear both the authors of the, those two books, both Michael Gerber and myself having a conversation, you can do that right here on this podcast. And I will, once we get to the end of the top tips, I will look up what number episode it is and you can scroll back and have a listen. Um, okay. The traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Uh, Google search. Google search. As I said, it's the one place where you can go and tap into people actively looking for what you sell or do. So true. I will heartily heartily agree. Google ads are awesome. <laughs> uh, the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, or just a way of working. Is there a little tool, cool little tool even, that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Um, so from a day-to-day management point of view, Asana is wonderful. We use it to assign all our kind of optimization tasks that we need to do on each account and just any other tasks that we need to do in the day. So it's a fantastic um, tool for giving yourself a daily checklist of things that need doing. And then I'd also say Canva as well for some quick and easy image manipulation. So if you're looking to do Facebook ads, Canva is a really great tool just to, to put some nice images together for that. Excellent tips. Uh, okay, the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? Um, I'm going to go back to that setting a clear objective. So know, if you know you want to grow your business, set a target of how much you want to grow your business and how much you're happy to pay per lead or per sale to to grow your business. Yeah, because if you don't get that right, then you're heading for a world of trouble. Either it's going to be really far too hard or you're going to not make any money. Yeah. Um, So Awesome tips, Becky. Um, though that podcast episode I mentioned where I'm interviewing Michael Gerber is number 89, if anyone wants to scroll back and listen to that one later. Um, Becky, before we say goodbye, please, please, please let the listeners know where they can find you and get hold of you guys at Digital Gearbox, please. Sure. So you can visit us at www.digitalgearbox.co.uk um, and we're on all the social channels as well, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and you can find me, Becky Hopkin, on all of the social channels as well. Brilliant. Well, Becky, it has been marvellous chatting with you today. I love the fact we've been able to share this journey we've been on with the audience. And um, it's just reminded me quite how much we've achieved in the last few months. It's slightly mind boggling. And I am so glad I outsourced the ads to you guys. So um, thank you very much for coming on and and, uh, telling everyone about it. You're so welcome, Chloe. We're we're due to write a case study up and put it on our website. Um, So if anyone wants to kind of have another look at the stats and read through the story again, we'll have that on our website soon as well. So 
So I hope for those of you who are thinking of working with an agency for the first time, if you want to increase the power of your agency and what they're doing for you in the ad space, whether it's Google ads, Facebook ads, or another advertising medium, I hope our kind of candid run through of how it all went will have helped you and given you some tips on how to do that. For those of you who are running events, who've been trying to grab what we what we did and what worked, more than happy to share more. Just get in contact with me and I will, uh, will try to answer your questions. You can get your hands on the notes from today's show, including the top tips and links to what we mentioned by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to know a bit more about discovery ads and some of those other areas that Becky was talking about, um, she gave us a um, an amazing interview earlier this year over on our sister podcast, Keep Optimizing, all about why you should be trying display ads on Google at the moment and how to make it work. And that was very e-commerce specific. So that's episode 46 on our sister podcast, Keep Optimizing, if you want some more on that. Thank you so much for tuning into this and every episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners like you to succeed and thrive with their businesses. So if you know someone this show can help, please do ask them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have a great week and keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.